If you would take your Bibles and turn to Acts chapter 13. Acts chapter 13, title of the message this morning is Getting Out of Dodge. Some of you would like to get out of Dodge, go on vacation, get away a little bit, but uh, a little spoof on what we're we going to read about this morning in Acts chapter 13. And as you're turning there, let me ask you a couple of questions as we think about this text of scripture we're going to get into in just a moment. How do you handle the not-so-good days when you stand amid division? Anybody ever stood in the midst of division? Every now and again it happens, doesn't it? It's not something we would choose, not something we look forward to, not something we enjoy. But every once in a while we find ourselves in the middle of division. And people on both sides of you are, at least in their minds, absolutely right. No amount of talking is going to convince them that you're right, they're wrong, and that you're right and they're wrong. They're, in their mind at least, right. And you just experienced a high point that you haven't even been able to come off the mountain yet from. And, I should, and, and someone, or should I say a bunch of someones, is raining on your parade. How many have been in that scenario before? I have. Not fun. Not something I enjoy. But this is sort of the scenario that Paul and Barnabas are going through. You recall that there was sharp division between some of the Jews and, of course, the Gentiles concerning the gospel, right? That was last week's message and earlier at the, towards the end of Acts chapter 13. The Jews were, according to Acts 13.45, it says... Uh, But when the Jews saw the multitudes, they were filled with envy and contradicting and blaspheming. They opposed the things spoken by Paul. In their minds, they're right. In their minds, they have the answers. In their minds, you're wrong, and they don't like it, and they're not afraid to tell you. They're filled with envy or jealousy. They're contradicting, blaspheming Paul's message, and we're opposing him according to God's word. And in the midst of all the Jews were doing to derail Paul, God was using him to reach the Gentiles. So even though the Jewish people were upset with him, the Gentiles were like, come on. In fact, he says, you have to share this message again next week, right? On the next Sabbath, you have to come back. And it says, many people in the town believed the word of the Lord and the word was being spread. So in one sense, you have Paul and Barnabas, they're up on this mountaintop saying, God is at work, God is using us to... You know, using the gospel to reach the Gentiles. And on the other hand, you got the Jewish people fighting them and trying to derail them at every turn. Sounds like fun, right? Sign me up. It's kind of like, Moses, I want you to bring the children of Israel. And by the way, Pharaoh's not going to let you do it. Well, why bother? Because God has a plan. God always has a plan. So I want us to look at our text here. We're going to begin reading in verse 49 down through chapter 14, verse 7, and then we'll start looking at some things that we can pull from this as far as our daily walk. So verse 49 says, And the word of the Lord was being spread throughout all the region. But the Jews stirred up devout and prominent women, and the chief men of the city raised up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and expelled them from their region. But they shook off their dust from their feet against them and came to Iconium, and the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. Verse 1, now it happened at Iconium that they went together to the synagogue of the Jews and so spoke that a great multitude, both of the Jews and of the Greeks, believed. 
But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brethren. Therefore they stood there a long time, speaking boldly in the Lord, who was bearing witness to the word of His grace, granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. But the multitude of the city was divided, part sided with the Jews and part with the apostles. And when a violent attempt was made by both the Gentiles and Jews with their rulers to abuse and stone them, they became aware of it and fled to Lystra and Derbe, cities of Laconia, and to the surrounding region, and they were preaching the gospel there. So notice in our text a couple things. Number one, the Jews couldn't let it go, right? You ever been around that person who just couldn't let it go? Uh, I, I can remember not too long ago, I was on, on, uh, in a discussion with somebody. I said, it's okay, you can, you, it's okay, we can agree to disagree. No, we can't. You ever met with that person like, you, you want to just let them, you can be right, I'm telling you. You can be right, I'll let you be right, I don't have to be right. And they still don't want, they want a good argument. They want to be right, and bless God, they're going to let you know they're right. Even though you've already succeeded to them. That's what's happening here. The Jews have made their point, but they couldn't let it go, and their envy had gotten the best of them. And so they did three things here. So first of all, they stirred up devout and prominent women. I mean, they had to find the people who had the biggest mouths and the biggest attitudes, and they were just going to let them know and say, hey, you guys got to join our side and just get your mouths going and get your blabbing. I mean, if they would have had Facebook, they were all over it. If they had Twitter, they were all over it. If they had Snapchat, they were all over it. I mean, they were getting their opinions out. They were stirring up the people. And, and, and by the way, you know that if it's on the Internet, it's right, right? I mean, it's correct. It's 100% right. No, just kidding. But they stirred up devout and prominent women to get the word out that we are not in favor of these preachers. The second thing, they began to persecute Paul and Barnabas. I mean, I don't know about you, but I've never had to experience this in this kind of a way. Uh, I think I was sharing with Mark the other day. You know, I remember the first time I went to India, and I remember we were, we were in the streets of Hyderabad, and we were planting a, working on a church plant there, and we were preaching. And so every time I got up to preach, and those of you that are old enough remember the M80 firecracker things, you know, bigger than firecrackers. You know, so they were throwing them over the wall as I was preaching, and every time they'd start sending too many, he'd say, oh, let's just start singing again. He, he motioned me to sit down. Well, this happened back and forth three or four times, and, and next thing you know, they started throwing them into the crowds of the people on the other side of the wall. And at that point, Dr. Chetla grabs my arm, and it's all, then it's like James Bond motion. All of a sudden, we go in a building, down a set of stairs, through this tunnel, up this tunnel, and over this tunnel. And next thing you know, we're four blocks later, we come out of a house, out of a basement, and there's a car waiting for us. <laughs> I'm like, what just happened here? We just went like four blocks underground. to get. And Chetla looks at me and goes, you scared? Not if you're not. And he looks at me and goes, we'd be brave, but we'd be wise. It's time to go. <laughs> you know, and I'm just thinking, th- there's, there's, there's turmoil. People don't like the gospel. And so that, that's the, the greatest extent of a kind of almost not quite persecution I've ever experienced. Where, where your life is kind of in jeopardy, but not really. Because we got out of there. No big deal. But the reality is, I don't know what it's like to face persecution because I stood for truth. But I believe that day is coming. I believe that day is coming when you're going to have to take a stand. And not only this, number three, they expelled them from the region. In other words, they were kicked out. So now put yourself in their sandals just for a moment. You're not having a good day because the people around you are not making things easy for you. How many like those days? 
I mean, I, I just like for like when I get up in the morning to to officially start my day with a shower and then get dressed and just have a good day. I mean, is that really asking too much? It's what I like. But they're not having a good day because people around them are not making it easy. And those people around you think they know what's good and right and are trying to sway you to their side. you got the Jews saying, no, you have to believe this. you got the Gentiles over here saying, no, we believe the gospel. And they're both right, and they're both trying to sway, right? So how do you handle those days? I think Paul and Silas gives us a great example of how you should handle those kinds of days. Look at verse 51. So in verse 51, he says this, But they shook off the dust from their feet against them and came to Iconium. They shook the dust off, so to speak. Paul and Silas' remedy for overcoming a bad day, they were basically considered three things. They shook the dust off their feet. You say, well, is that just a proverbial thing, or did that actually happen? Well, keep your finger there in Acts and turn over to Luke chapter 10 just for a moment. Matthew, Mark, Luke chapter 10. And look at verses 10 through 12. They were actually walking in obedience when they did this. So in Mark chapter 10, beginning verse 10, he says, But whatever city you enter, and they do not receive you, go out into the streets and say, The very dust of your city, which clings to us, we wipe off against you. Nevertheless, know this, that the kingdom of God has come near you. Think about this. He says, shake the dust off. Because here's the deal. Not everybody you come in contact with in this life is going to agree with you. Not everyone's going to pat you on the shoulder and say, hey, good job. Appreciate what you're doing. In fact, the reality is there's going to be a lot of people in this world who won't agree with you. But they don't dictate what we do. So two things to consider when we think about shaking the dust off. Symbolically, when returning from a journey, they would shake off the dust from that country, leaving the sin and defilement of that country behind. So it was more than just a physical act. There was actually a spiritual act where they would literally shake the dust off, symbolically saying that I'm leaving the sin and the defilement and the corruption of this city behind because I do not want to bring it with me. So it was more than just a physical act. It was a spiritual act symbolically and not only that number two it symbolized they're ridding themselves of the responsibility for the unrepentant and unreceptive jews they said i can't control you know here's the thing we have to remember god never calls us to control the outcome of our obedience does he it would be amazing that man i preach the gospel give the gospel invitation and everyone just gets saved wouldn't that be wonderful but the reality is that that's probably not going to happen it's not likely But the reality is I'm not called to control the outcome. I am called to be obedient. That's what I need to be concerned with. Am I obedient to what God has called me to be obedient to? So the reality is when they went to a city and they preached and people didn't give them the response that that would have been great for them. And by the way, it wasn't just a response for Paul. It was for their own good. If they would just but trust God, they would know how good it is. But they didn't want it. They thought that their system of rules and regulations and following the laws was better. And by the way, if it's all about the rules and regulations, it's a religion. If it's about loving the one who loved you first, it's relationship. 
We're not called to control the outcome. We're called to be obedient. So they shook the dust off their feet. And number two, they went on to Iconium, the next place of ministry. In other words, they didn't stay there. They moved on. Let me just put this little seed in your mind. Sometimes you just have to move on from where you are. Get out of the negativity, get out of the frustrations, and move on. You know, life is not promised to be a bed of roses. No one said everything's going to be perfect. No one ever promised that everything was going to go your way, right? Things are difficult. But I know this. There are times that you just have to move on. And it's okay, because your next place of ministry is awaiting you. See, they could have stood there and fought, but you know, and got angry, but they didn't get angry, because what God's Word already reminds us that the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God, right? So it's not going to do them any good to just sit there and get angry and get mad. Cause it, I mean, you get mad at you want as the TV, as the person's yapping their jaws. You know if they're lying, if their jaws are moving, right? I mean, you're, gonna, you're not going to be happy watching the news. You can get mad as you want, and it changes nothing. So turn it off. Now, there's a negative side of that. People said, did you hear about the train wreck in Ohio? I was like, no, what? When was that? When you turn it off, sometimes you just get away from the noise. And it's not a bad thing. But sometimes you can move on. But here's the thing. When Paul and Barnabas moved on, God had someplace better for them, at least for a period. And number three, they were filled with the joy in the Holy Spirit. Let me ask you a question. Can you have joy even though you're not happy? Yes. Yes, you can. There are times that I'm not happy. When my bank account gets a little bit low, I'm not happy. Anyone else? I'd like to have it full. But sometimes it's not. It doesn't make me happy. I still have joy. When there's ten things to get done and I only have time for five, am I happy about that? No. But I still have joy and I get to do some of them. When I don't feel good, I'm not always happy, but I have joy knowing that God's in control of this. Right? There are times that I cannot, I may not be happy, but I have joy because my joy is not dictated by the circumstances going on around me. Happiness may be, but not joy. Joy comes from God. And I know this, is that they went out with joy. We say, well, how? These people were trying to persecute them. They're kicking them out of their village. They're saying, get out of here. Because their joy was not conditional to their experiences and what was going on. And here's the key to that, I believe. The Holy Spirit. Apart from the Holy Spirit, you're not going to have joy. You're not going to be happy either. Because if I'm either controlled by the Spirit of God or my flesh. So if it's not the Spirit controlling me, what is? There's only two sides. There's no middle ground, folks. So if I'm not being led by the Spirit, I'm being led by my flesh. And as long as I'm being led by my flesh, then it's all about, oh, poor me. They're doing this to me. They said that about me. They won't, they're kicking me out of here. I can't go there. Oh, poor me. But when God is leading me and directing me and His Spirit is leading me, 
I'm getting out of Dodge because he's got someplace else for me to go and serve. So notice that Paul and Barnabas didn't give up or give in. So how do I know that? Well, look at chapter 14, verse 1, back in our text. It says, Now it happened in Iconium that they went together to the synagogues of the Jews and spoke to the great multitude of both of the Jews and the Greeks believed. Now think about this. They just got kicked out of this village, this town. And what do they do? They go right back into the Jewish synagogues. I mean, I, I don't know about you. It's like, have, have anybody ever seen Guardian, the movie Guardian with Kevin Costner? The kid gets, beats up, get, gets beat up at the bar, and he goes and Kevin Costner bails him out of jail, and all of a sudden they go right back into the bar that they just got beat up in, and everyone's like, what are you doing here? Did you not learn the first time? <laughs> you just got kicked out of one synagogue. The Jews are really clear about the fact they don't like you. What do you do? You go into another synagogue. They didn't quit. Let me say that again. They didn't quit when things weren't easy. They didn't quit when things got tough. They kept going. They went right back in. And what happened as a result of their obedience? It says, great multitude of Jews and Greeks believed. How could they do this amidst opposition? Well, I think God's Word gives us a little bit of an idea of how. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, I'm almost there. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 13, he says this. These things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. They realized that the Holy Spirit was leading them. And their message was not their own. It was God's. And that's the key. We're not about doing our own business. We're not about making our name known. It's not about how great we think we are and that we need to let everyone know that. They didn't give up. They didn't quit. And they went on amidst opposition. And so how can any of us do what's right amidst opposition? The help of the Holy Spirit. That's the only way we can do it. And let me just say this. We've been saying this for several years now. Anytime that God is at work, Satan does not want to let that go unchallenged, right? He does not want to let that go unchallenged, which means we ought to know going into it that there's going to be a struggle. I mean, think about it. If someone is going into a wrestling match, saying, well, I'm probably going to lose. What do you think is going to happen? I'm going to step in the ring with this guy, but he's got 21 knockouts and I've only got one. What happens to your, your mental attitude? You're probably going to lose. They didn't walk into it. They walked into knowing, hey, this guy's tough, and I have to be ready, and I need to be on guard, and I need to be prepared for this. I can't tell you how many times I had a wrestling match my junior or senior year of high school. A kid had a better record than me or looked stronger than me, and it just made me that much more on guard, that much more alert to what was possible. Bottom line is you have to be prepared. You have to expect that there's going to be opposition. Because anytime God is at work, the devil does not want to let that go unchallenged. There will always be opposition to the work of God. So here's the opposition that they were facing again. 
The unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles, poisoning their minds. Hey guys, these preachers are coming to town. Just don't believe anything they say. Everything they say is just wrong. Don't believe a word they're saying. Get the word out. You know, just just be on guard. They were doing everything they can, to, everything they could to derail them. Didn't de- it didn't deter them. The, this is the idea of speaking in a way that caused the Gentiles to become embittered and jealous. That literally is what it means. So, chapter 14, verse 2. But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brethren. The whole idea behind the word poisoned there is the idea of making them bitter. Who are these people? Why, why are they doing this? So it wasn't just a seed of doubt. It was like they were working on them in their minds to make them... Totally disregard anything that Paul and Barnabas would say. And in Hebrews chapter 12, and verse, I believe it's verse 15, it says, Looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble, and with this, by this many be defiled. He says, be careful. Listen up. Pay attention to what you're hearing. And folks, let me just say this. We touched on it this morning in Sunday school. By the way, you missed, you missed a good discussion if you weren't there. Here's the deal. There are always going to be people who are not going to agree, right? But the bottom line is, there are times that you have to know up front, be prepared. Know what's real. Look intently. Just because a guy's on a radio doesn't make him right. Just because he has a TV show doesn't make him correct. Just because he wrote a book doesn't mean that he's on target. Be careful. Be like the Brians, as we said a couple weeks ago, to search the Scriptures to see if what is said is true. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that need not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. You have a responsibility to know and study the word of God as much as I do in your own walk with Jesus. Just because someone said it doesn't make it right. Get in the Word. Use the Word to know truth. (laughs) That's why he says there, verse 15, looking carefully. Be observant. Because if you start buying into what they're saying, eventually it's going to lead to your bitterness. Don't let it happen. So be careful who you allow to influence you. That's within your control. Be careful who you let sway you. Look at verse 3. So they, therefore they stayed there a long time, speaking boldly in the Lord who was bearing witness to the word of His grace, granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. These fives. <laughs> They stayed there a while. So, there's a time to move on and a time to stay put. How do I know which is which? The Holy Spirit will guide you. But you need to be close to the Lord for Him to speak to you. We keep talking about this illustration. If one of us is upstairs, one of us is in the basement, you can't hear each other even though you're yelling at the top of your lungs. God's Word is always there. 
But if I don't read it, it's doing me no good. If you want to hear God's voice, He says, draw nigh unto me and I will what? Draw nigh unto you. It's not that He's going away. He says, but if you don't want to hear me, I guess I'll just shut up. His word's there. And the only way for me not to hear it is for me not to look at it. So there's a time to move on and a time to stay put. And the Holy Spirit will dictate to you what you should do. But three things happen. Number one, God enables them to speak boldly. You know, I don't have to argue with anyone. I just speak the truth. How many times have we seen that through the book of Acts? Arguing doesn't get us anywhere. I said over and over, you can argue theology. You can argue whose church is better. You can argue doctrine until you're blue in the face. What does it really accomplish? In the end, I'm sticking to what I know God, what God has done in my life. And I'm sticking true to this word. Because my personal opinion doesn't matter. My biases don't matter. My prejudices doesn't matter. My experiences don't matter. If I can anchor it to God's word and scripture found in God's word, that gives me all the hope I need. All the security I need. So number one, God allowed them to speak boldly. Number two, God allowed them to bear witness of the word of his grace. God allowed them not only to have boldness, but to clearly dictate his word with grace. Because that's what they needed. And then number three, God granted them the ability to do signs and wonders. I'd love to see that. Um, that's only for the Pentecostals, though, just so you know. Don't go there. Taboo. We're so afraid of the Holy Spirit doing something out of the norm. We don't expect Him to, number one, but if He did, we'd be scared to death of it. What if He actually did do something? Someone asked me the other day, do you believe in speaking in tongues? No, no, not really. I don't. I'll be honest with you, I don't. But am I saying that God can't do it? No. Several years ago, Kimber Kaufman, a pastor in Indianapolis area, went to Philippines Islands, and he preached after the service was over. Some Filipino men came up to him and through an interpreter said, Preacher, why did you use an interpreter? We understood you just fine. And the interpreter said that to him. He goes, I don't understand what you're saying. He goes, well, why did you use an interpreter? So everything you said, we heard twice because he repeated you. Why did you have him repeat you? And it hit him what happened. God supernaturally allowed those people to hear in their tongue through the preacher who did not speak the Filipino language. He said that happened on two occasions as he was preaching to crowds of a thousand people in the Philippines. Do I think tongues can happen? Yeah, I think they can. But do I think they're for me every day and everyday use? No. I think I can back that up scripture. That's just my opinion. But we're so afraid of not being like them that we just we throw the baby out with the bathwater. We need the Holy Spirit. And some of us need to wake up that the Holy Spirit is real and at work and alive in our hearts and minds. We need it. A couple of verses I want you to think about. First Thessalonians. First and second Timothy, first and second. There, I'm almost going too far there. Come on. 
pages are sticking. There we go. Chapter 2, verse 1. It says, For you yourselves know, brethren, that our coming to you was not in vain, but even after we had suffered before we were spitefully treated in Philippi, as you know, we were bold in our God to speak to you the gospel of God in much conflict. Sign me up. <laughs> this is going to be hard. Went through a lot of tough stuff getting here, but uh, we avoid that stuff like the plague. It says, For our exhortation did not come from error or uncleanness, nor was it in deceit. But as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, even so we speak not as pleasing men, but God who tests our hearts. See, Paul's heart was to be true to what God had asked him to do. Regardless of the opposition, regardless of the conflict, so to speak, he said, my job is to do what God has asked me to do. And that's it. It didn't become because it was easy because it wasn't easy. I didn't come to please you because, quite honestly, you're not pleased. I'm here for one reason. And there's only one reason for us to do what we do. Obedience to our Heavenly Father. In Ephesians chapter 6, verses 19 and 20, he says this. And for me, that utterance may be given to me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that in it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Paul says, it's almost as though I'm a prisoner to this task. And I want to do it boldly as unto the Lord. Turn over page Philippians chapter 1, 19 and 20. He says, For I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, according to my earnest expectation and hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but with all boldness as always, so now also Christ will be magnified in my body, whether it be life or by death. See, everything Paul did was not easy. It was very much difficult. It was not that he didn't want to, it was that God compelled him to do it. I don't know about you, but when's the last time you felt compelled you just had to do it because God had so burdened you to do it and you couldn't do anything else but that because it's what he had for you to do. Well, all good things must come to an end. Time to get out of Dodge again. Chapter 14, verse 4. So they did the work that God called them to do and God moved them on again. There's a time to move, there's a time to stay, and time to move again. Verse 4 says, But the multitude of the city was divided, part sided with the Jews, part with the apostles. And when a violent attempt was made by both the Gentiles and the Jews with their rulers to abuse and stone them, they became aware of it and fled to Lystra and Derbe and cities of Laconia and to the surrounding region. So division began to rise again. Because remember, wherever God is at work, Satan doesn't want to let that go unchallenged. There's going to be opposition to the work that God calls you to. So there's always a time to be uh, aware of what God is doing, aware of when He is moving you, aware of when He's telling you to stay. In Matthew chapter 10, I'm going to just read it for you real quickly. Verse 23 and following says this. 
when they persecute you in this city, flee to another. Sounds like a great plan. I'm all for that. You will have not gone through the cities of Israel before the Son of Man comes. A disciple is not above his teacher, nor a servant above his master. It is enough for a disciple that he be like his teacher, and a servant like his master. If they have called the master of the house Beelzebub, how much more will they call those of the household? Therefore do not fear them. For there is nothing covered that will not be revealed, and hidden that will not be made known. He says don't fear. Just go on. Shake the dust off. Go to the next place. There's other ministry awaiting you there. They departed to a new city to continue in God's work of spreading the gospel. So I want to close by asking these five questions. Number one, how do I handle myself when someone disagrees with me? I'm just telling you, some of us have reputations of having to be right, of being arrogant. Uh, I'm telling you, as a parent, I know I'm right. Just ask me, I'll tell you. I'm right. But as my wife said one time, very wise, do you want to be right or do you want to have a relationship? I'd like both, if you don't mind. I want you to submit to my authority. I want you to listen to what I said. I want you to agree with me because you need to. But you know, I've said for years, I'm a pretty big guy. Anybody remember the game Mercy? I've hardly ever lost in my life. I'm, I'm a wimp now, but... I can beat a lot of people at a lot of things. But you know what I don't change? Their heart. I'll tell you a side story. Jake came home one day. And by the way, Jake can destroy me now. But when he was working on the asphalt crew, he goes, Dad, I beat everybody on the entire crew at Mercy. I said, really? He goes, yeah. He goes, I beat every one of them. Oh, okay. I knew what he was fishing for. And uh, he goes, you want, you want to try it, Dad? Yeah. All right, on your go. Jake, you tell us when to go. He goes, okay, on your mark, set, go. No, really, when you go, Jake. Tell, tell me when you're ready. Tell, tell me when you're ready, Jake. <laughs> Mercy! I'm like, oh, so theoretically, I just beat everybody on that asphalt crew. <laughs> By the way, he can destroy me now. It's funny. I may be able to dictate my will to someone but I can't change their heart or even their mind for that matter. God wants our hearts. So how do I handle myself when someone disagrees with me? Do I have to be right? Do I have to get my point across? Do I have to prove to you why you're wrong? Because most of the time that does not end well. But when God is in the midst of it and I give it to Him, they got to deal with God. Number two, do I stay focused and determined to do what God has asked me to do, or do I quit? They could have been very easily justified in saying, you know what, these Jews, these women, <laughs> they're causing problems. These chief people around me, they're just making life difficult. I- I- I'm done. I've had enough. It would have been very easy to quit. And I'm just telling every one of you that are here today, quitting is one of the easiest things you can do. And you can justify it. Excuse it. 
rationalize it, even feel good about it. But I don't know that it's what God wants. And the example that we see from Paul and Barnabas is that they didn't quit. Number three, am I daily being filled with the Spirit and open to His leading? Because remember, sometimes you just need to move on. But sometimes God wants you to stay. And the only way to know the difference is to be filled with the Spirit and to be obedient to what He says. Number four, just like some of the unbelieving Jews poisoned the minds of the Gentiles and other Jewish people, am I easily swayed by others? If you're easily swayed, be careful. If you believe anything that somebody says just because they said it, be careful. If you're one that's gullible, be careful. Get in God's Word. Be filled with the Spirit. Know the truth. And the last question. Do I have joy amidst conflict? I may not be happy, but my joy is not contingent upon my circumstances. They had extreme difficulty. And yet they went out with joy and boldness, filled with the Spirit. That's something we can learn from. I'm just going to tell you, life's not easy. How many think life is easy? It's not going to get easier either, by the way. Every stage of life has its challenges. Guarantee you, I've done probably, I'm going to guess, somewhere close to 20 wedding ceremonies. That means I've gone through premarital counseling that many times. I've never had a couple sit before me. Never. Never once. With anticipation that, hey, we're going to get married, but we're going to get divorced in three years. Nobody plans that. Did you know that? Nobody plans that. Because life happens. Circumstances come into us. And we get a list a thousand other circumstances and situations. And those things can rob you of your joy or you, God can use them to mold you and to shape you. Romans 8.28 says, All things work together for good to them that are called, them that love God and are called according to His purpose. Do I love God enough to trust Him with my life? See, it only works for good if I love God enough to trust Him. Why? Verse 29, that He might make you conform to the image of His Son. Every circumstance in life can either mold us or make us bitter. It's your choice, really, which side you land on. But with the Spirit indwelling you, living within you, you can be led to make the right choice. Lord, as we come before you this morning, we acknowledge, Lord, that we need you. We need your help daily. We cannot do this life apart from you. Lord, I pray that you would help us to guard our testimony, to guard our actions, Lord, because we want to reflect you well. So, Lord, in our desire to be right, help us more to be more to be thinking of your picture in us, Lord, how we reflect you, how we represent you. 
Help us to stay focused on the task at hand and not be distracted by the circumstances. Help us to be daily filled with your Spirit. Lord, help us to not be easily swayed by those who would lead us astray. And Lord, help us to have joy amidst conflict because we know that you're in control. Lord, thank you for the example that we see from Paul and Barnabas. Thank you, Lord, for their testimony, Lord, that still speaks today. As heads are bowed and eyes are closed, just a simple opportunity to respond to what we've heard as we have every week. As heads are bowed and eyes are closed, you say, Pastor, God's challenged my heart in some of these areas. Would you pray for me? Some things I need to work on. Just say, Pastor, pray for me. Yes, in the front, in the front, in the middle, in the middle. Yes. Folks, I want you to know my hand's up. That's convicting to me this week. I, I, I like to be right. That's the area I struggle with. I know I'm right. Even if you think I'm not right, I know I'm right. God's got to humble me sometimes. Anyone else say, Pastor, pray for me. There's some things I need to work on. Yes, yes. Lord Jesus, you know our hearts. You know the very things that we struggle with. You know the very things that are that distract us from doing what we ought to do, from being who we ought to be. And I pray, dear Father, Lord, that you would help us to submit those things to you. And with the help of your Holy Spirit, Lord, do what is right. Lord God, I pray that you help everyone who's raised their hand, their heart toward you this morning, Lord. Allow them to have victory, Lord, in these areas. Lord, may we all as a body of believers, as a church family, Lord, see and sense your presence, your Holy Spirit at work in our midst. Lord, we want to be like your son Jesus. We want to represent him and reflect him well. Lord, help us to learn from Paul and Barnabas, Lord. Help us, Lord, to when things aren't going good, to be able to shake off the dust and move on to the next area of ministry. Lord, sometimes we need to just move on. But Lord, when you, we are where you want us, Lord, help us to be willing to stay and not quit but to be sensitive to your leading. So, Lord, work in our hearts. Draw us closer to you, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.